I had a house in Indianola, and that house had no garage. And we wanted to put a garage on our house. And so uh, we started to look into what it would take to add a garage to our house and discovered that to get a garage on our house, uh, we needed an extra 18 inches uh, from the setback. We needed 18 inches uh, to be able to build our garage 18 inches closer to the lot line than that what was acceptable by Indianola city code. So uh, I realized we need to go before the board of adjustments and ask for, ask for an exemption. So um, looked into the process a little bit, needed to pay $100 just for the privilege of appearing before the board. And so we did it. I sat down uh, that day, uh, three members of the board were there and I basically waited my turn, pleaded my case about how we needed a garage. And um, if you've seen how much uh, how many kids we have and how much stuff those kids have, you would know we needed a garage. And so then uh, they all listened and, and they said, okay, well, they asked a few questions. They said, let's vote. And so they all voted three to nothing in favor of us getting the adjustment. So I was all excited. And then the chairman of the adjustments committee said, the measure does not pass. Uh, and then, was, I was, wait, it's three to not, huh? Wait, I'm confused. And he says, well, if you don't understand the rules, I can't help you. Well, could somebody explain to me the rules? And he said, well, there's seven members on this committee and you need a majority vote. Now, four of them happen to be gone tonight. So you got the necessary, you did not get the necessary four votes. So it did not pass. So um, went around and I just thought, really? Like if I would have known that, I would have said, can I table my proposition till everyone's there? It's like, and he said, it's not my fault you didn't know the rules. Have you ever thought about prayer like that? Like, is God like the Board of Adjustments? Where, like, there's these secret rules about prayer that if we have requests and we want to come to Him, we've got to know the secret rules. And if we know all the secret rules, then we can twist God's arm into getting Him to do what we want. Is this what prayer is like? I mean, what if we come to God and say the wrong thing? Is there such a thing as praying for the wrong thing? We're looking at the Lord's Prayer together because for, the, for 40 days, our, our first step in our next five-step process as a church, the next five things we're going to do, the very first one is to stop and say, God, we want to be steadfastly dependent upon you. Whatever we do in the future, whatever dreams that we have about being part of your kingdom work in this community, we have got to make sure that we're completely and utterly dependent upon you. And so together... We come before this God and we've been looking at this Lord's Prayer because Jesus taught us how to pray. He said, pray like this. So it would make sense that we would spend time looking at the Lord's Prayer and learning how to pray steadfastly dependent upon God. There's two parts to the Lord's Prayer. You can break it into two chunks. The very first thing that we've done is we've looked at praying about the things that matter to God. The first week we looked at our Father in heaven, whose name is holy. We looked at what that meant, what that said to us about God. Last week, we looked at the phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thinking about the kingdom of God and our role in it. These, are, these first two phrases, we start praying correctly by talking to God about the things that matter to God. Now today, we're beginning to launch into the things that matter to us. Give us this day, our daily bread. We turn to what's on our heart. And we say, God, here are the things that I want to talk to you about. Give us this day, our daily bread. And so my sermon outline is 
pretty simple today. I'm just going to talk about every word in the phrase. And so the uh, first word I want to talk about is the word give. Give. Give us this day. You need to understand that the grammar of the phrase give is an imperative. It's a command. When I, a command like when I tell my kids, go upstairs and clean up your room right now. That's the sense of a command. Go! Uh, except what we're doing to God, there, there's another sense in which the urgency of an imperative verb, there's a sense in which we're saying, please give me. That, that's the, the sense of the word here. Remember, it's really amazing that we can do this with God at all, that we can say to God anything, give, that we can implore him. The sense of the imperative there is not just a command, we're not commanding God. It's also, we're imploring him, please give. It's amazing that we can ask God, think about this, the almighty God of the universe, you would think he would have better things to do than listen to you and I. And yet what Jesus teaches us is that give is important. Give us this. We could get to implore God and he listens to us. We've just talked about this father, our father. All the beautiful things about this picture of God being our heavenly father. Now we know that he cares for us. So recently one of my daughters asked me for a Christmas present. It's getting that time of year. And, and she came to me and she said, Dad, uh, here's what I'd like for Christmas. Uh, I really want a laptop. I want a laptop because, as you can imagine, in our house when school ends and so many textbooks are online now, there's a fight for the computer. You know, <laughs> like all, at least four of my kids are fighting for computer time to get their homework done. And she's like, I just would like a computer. So she's like, Dad, I realize that's too much money to ask for me for Christmas. So she said, I have an idea. Would you just give me some money for Christmas so I can save up towards a laptop. Now, this is really an interesting thing. At first, at first glance, it doesn't seem odd that a, a child would ask her father for money. But think about that. She wouldn't just go to anybody and ask that request. I mean, and she wouldn't just come up here to Dennis, and she might. Dennis, you get in the front row today. Sorry, I picked on. Uh, but, you know, like, she wouldn't just, Dennis, can I have $100 to save for my laptop fund? Now, she might do that, and Dennis, because he's an awesome guy, might just give her 100 bucks. I don't know. But she wouldn't just go to anybody and say, can I have money for Christmas? I mean, like, you go walking up to a stranger on the street with whom she has no relationship. She's not going to just go and say, give me some money for a laptop. So it's, it's not unusual that she would ask me, but she asked me because I'm her father. We have a relationship. I'm in a position to give her what she asked for. Isn't that interesting? So why can we go to a God, the almighty God of the universe, and say, give us anything? It's because he's our father. It's because if we know and believe in Jesus as our Savior, we've been adopted as a child of God. So you can go to the Heavenly Father and ask because of that relationship. It's beautiful. Now, another thing was interesting about my daughter asking me for money for Christmas. She knew how to ask me. <laughs> she didn't come up to me and go, Dad, for Christmas, you better give me $100 or I'm out of here. She didn't come up to me and say, Dad, you, for Christmas, you better give me $75 for that computer. I don't know what your budget is, but I want it. She didn't come up to me and say, God, Dad, um, if you give me $75 towards the, the computer, um, I will be the best daughter that has ever lived. Like, 
She didn't try to co- she, she didn't do any of that. She just asked. I mean, isn't that beautiful? She knew how to ask me. She didn't demand like a spoiled child. She knew how to ask. Isn't it interesting that when we know our Heavenly Father, we know how to ask? We understand His heart. We know who He is because we've spent time cultivating that relationship. Another thing that happened in my daughter asking me for money for Christmas is that she also was prepared for me to say, no, I've got a better idea. That's pretty fascinating. Like she really was, she came to me and said, you know, this is what I would like, but she's open to me saying, I got a better idea. Like, uh, how about I just give you a computer, right? <laughs> right? You know, she's asking for, or she's prepared for me to say, you know, no, I've got a better idea. We're not going to do a computer. We're going to do something else. She's prepared and willing to hear that. Isn't that great? I love, uh, this teaches us something. When we say give, give us today. When we say this to our Heavenly Father, we know implicitly how to give because we've had people close to us in our life whom we could ask things for, from. Maybe it wasn't your dad for you. Maybe you didn't have a good relationship with your dad. But you had someone in your life with whom you had a relationship you could ask, give. I love that God cares to listen. He never says, stop talking to me. God doesn't just throw up his hands like the board of adjustments and go, I'm sorry, you didn't ask correctly, stop talking. Uh, I, I have, <laughs> years ago, I had a friend who had kids, uh, at the time they were older than my kids and they were teenagers and, and uh, they would nag him constantly for stuff and he got so tired of it. Sometimes they'd be talking, he just threw up his hand and he'd say, talk, talk to the hand, <laughs> you know? Like he'd just shut him down. Stop talking, talk to the hand. Like, I don't care, stop it. I love that God doesn't do that with you and I. I love it. He wants to hear us. He wants to listen to what we have to say. Give. We can come to God and say, give us what's on our heart, and he listens. The next phrase that's interesting, the next word that, give us this day. Look at this phrase, this day. This is fascinating. Like, give us today, give us this day. This is a fascinating phrase. Not, Jesus doesn't teach us to pray, give us this year, or give us this decade, or give us this retirement, or... <laughs> this long-term financial. He says, give us this day. Well, that's really interesting. Why would Jesus teach us to pray that way? Give us this day. Why would he teach us to pray that way? Because Jesus understands what you and I need. You and I need to be steadfastly dependent upon God in everything we do. Because he knows the temptation is that we'll try to do it on our own. God is the provider, and he is the one who takes care of us, not us. Okay, so some of you are going to hear me say, well, Pastor Dave right now is telling us not to plan for the future. Like, we should just live each day and not make any plans for the future. Um, it's foolish not to financially plan for the future. Let me just say that. The Apostle Paul says, take care of yourself and your family. He's very clear about how the New Testament should work. What we need to think through and think ahead. That, that's not what we're praying when we pray, give us this day. It doesn't mean we throw out all sort of financial planning or planning or budgeting or anything like that. But we must ask ourselves when we pray this, how can my wealth or lack of wealth, either one, how can it become a substitute for God? 
See, if we don't have money, we run around worrying about each day. How, how am I going to do this? And I can't do this. And I got to work harder or do this or get this in place. Or Give us the stay. If we do have wealth, we go, okay, God, um, never mind. I don't need you. I got it all taken care of. I'm all squared away. How can you be responsible for the future without losing your dependence on God? It's interesting. This phrase, this day, is very interesting. We think of days being from midnight one day to midnight the next. But that's not how the Jews thought about days. A day started at sunset. And so a Jewish day went from sundown to the next day at sundown. There was no concept of midnight. Sundown to sun. That's how they thought about a day. A day was over when the sun set. So you can imagine the disciples often in the evenings together gathered. When they prayed, give us this day their daily bread, they were really praying about the next day. They were saying, give me tomorrow, as we would talk about it, everything I need to survive. Sometimes we think of non-planners as more spiritual. Uh, We hear of stories like, George Mueller in England years ago who ran this orphanage and every day he'd say, we don't know how the orphanage is going to feed today, but God will ask you and, and food showed up and the orphans got fed and like it's just crazy faith. And we look at that and go, well, that's crazy. I couldn't do that. Or sometimes we think, well, George Mueller must have been more spiritual because he didn't plan at all. It's possible to make, that's not what George Mueller was doing, by the way. He wasn't just being irresponsible and asking God to put his stamp on it. It's possible to make irresponsibility look like spirituality. Even this prayer allowed one to think about tomorrow. Even uh, when we pray this, we're looking forward to tomorrow. There's a sense of planning and not irresponsibility. We're saying the key is I want to be today and tomorrow steadfastly dependent upon God for everything. We need to make sure that we're dependent on God, not trying to do it on our own. And there's the sense and the temptation is for us to say, okay, God, I got today and tomorrow covered. I'm all good. I don't need you. You can go do something else. Jesus recenters us by saying, give us this day our daily bread. The next two words I want to talk about are the word us and our. They're two different words, but they mean the same thing here together. Here, uh, it's really interesting. There's a sense, give us, when we, come to God, when we come to the Father and we ask him, isn't it interesting that we're not praying, give me? Isn't that interesting? Jesus didn't teach us to pray, give me. Now, it's not that it's a wrong prayer to say, give me. It reflects our heart. But Jesus, when he taught us to pray, he said, give us. Now, why would Jesus do this? Why would Jesus teach us to say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Give us our daily bread. Why would he teach this? It's because Jesus just talked about kingdom work. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So what we're praying for together is, God, would you give us as the church every physical thing that we need to accomplish kingdom work? We need each other. I can never say this enough because in our individualized American culture, our culture teaches us that you need to be on your own, independent, in need of no one. You were not wired that way. I was not wired that way. We need each other. Um, I once knew a guy who for 50 years worked 
worked hard, worked diligently, and his job required him to work with people. So every day he would go to work and he'd have to interact with people. For 50 years he did this. Upon retirement, he looked at his nest egg and he said, I got enough money to live now. I'm done. And when he quit, he quit interacting with people. He sat at home. He watched TV. He didn't leave. He became a hermit. That's not right. We're not wired that way. Jesus teaches us to pray, give us. So we're praying about the things that we want, and we're praying the things about others need. But the big deal is we're praying, God, give us what we need to do kingdom work. We must think beyond ourselves. That's a challenge as you think of yourself as not an only child because you're not. You've been adopted into a family with many siblings. And so when we say brothers and sisters, we're not just praying for our needs, for my own needs and the needs of someone else. We're praying, what can we do together? Give us what we need to do kingdom work today. The next word that I want to highlight is the word daily. Give us today our daily bread. <laughs> this is a great need. We have needs every day, and these are basic needs, and they repeat. We don't often think about it this way because our, our freezers are usually full. Our pantries are usually full of canned goods that we don't really like. The ones that we don't really like get left over in the pantry, you know, and so they're at the back. But if everything shut down, most of us could survive for a while in what's in our freezer in our pantry. It's true. Uh, in Jesus' day, they didn't have that option. There were no refrigerators or freezers, not really pantries. There was no canning process where you could seal stuff up, no vacuum seals, no Ziploc baggies, none of this. So every day, a, a person in, in the ancient Near Eastern culture would have to go get certain things every single day. It's interesting, this word daily, it, there's only two uses of it in the New Testament. The, the first one is here and the second one is in Luke. And they're both in the context of the Lord's Prayer because there's a copy of the Lord's Prayer in Matthew and then there's another, uh, an, another telling of the Lord's Prayer in Luke. And so we have both of these Lord's Prayers set out for us and Jesus taught them both and it's the same word here, this word daily. And so um, it's hard to translate a word when you only have one context for the word. And so for years they've been struggling. How does this word daily get translated? It, it seems to give us today, this, our daily bread. What is daily bread? What, it's, it's hard in the context to know when you only have two uses of the word, and they're really in the same thing, so it's really one use of the word. So a few years ago, um, archaeologists were digging in Greece, and they ca uh, came over a scrap of parchment, and as they were translating it, it, was it seemed to be somebody's grocery list. And they were just looking through, it's kind of interesting, looking through someone's grocery list. And next to a number of items on the list was this word here, this word daily, next to it. And as they look back to see what did all those things have in common, they were the kinds of things you had to buy every single day. You had to say, I, this won't make it till tomorrow. I got to do this every day. So if you needed meat, you didn't just let it sit out. You needed bread every day. There were staples. Give us this day our daily bread. What does this teach us about how we should pray? Because the reality is we don't often pray for daily food, do we? 
I mean, when was the last time you were worried about what you would eat tomorrow? Do any of us even think, I wonder if I'm going to be able to eat tomorrow? I mean, we don't even think like that. Even the poorest of the poor generally in our culture, generally, most of us know that we're going to eat something tomorrow. I don't know what it's going to be. I, I like what Martin Luther said about this 500 years ago. Martin Luther said, what does daily bread mean? He said, daily bread is everything that nourishes our body and meets its needs, such as, <laughs> I love this, he's going to give us a list now from 500 years ago, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, a house, yards, fields, cattle, money, possessions, a devout spouse, devout children, devout employees, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, discipline, honor, good friends, faithful neighbors, and other things like these. I, I mean, I love it. It's this understanding that we're not just praying for a piece of bread. We're praying for everything that we need every single day to accomplish kingdom work. They're physical things we're praying for. Repeated things we need to make it through the day. And the reason we pray for daily bread is so that we remain steadfastly dependent upon God. 2,000 years ago, more, sorry, 3,500 years ago, Moses had the, had, the Egyptian, or had the Israelites in the wilderness after they had left Egypt and they got out into the middle of the wilderness and they said, there's no food in the desert. Like there's nothing to eat. We're stuck. And so they cried out and they grumbled and complained and said, God, you talked brought us out of Egypt, and you split the Red Sea, only to make us starve in the desert. And they were not so happy, and Moses kind of went to God, and Moses wasn't too happy, and God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to provide for their daily needs. So every day they would wake up, and there would be like this flaky bread on the ground. Uh, the people looked at it, and, and they didn't know what it was, so they called it manna. That means, what is it? <laughs> they didn't know what to call it, so they called it, what is it? And, uh, and so they went out, and, and they had enough to eat, and some people thought, well, I've been hungry for a long time. I'm going to store some of this away in case God doesn't show up tomorrow. I know he said he would, but I don't really trust him. And so, and that, that bread that they saved, that manna that they saved turned nasty and rotten and it was inedible. And so God said to him, trust me, trust me. Now on the sixth day, he said, hey, I'm just telling you, uh, tomorrow is a Sabbath and there's not going to be any manna on the ground, so trust me when I say now you should save it. And they went, well, I'm not doing that again. I'm not saving it. I know what happened last time. And so they didn't save it. And then they went hungry for the day. There's, it's this beautiful picture. When this, this is the imagery that Jesus wants us to have when he says, give us this day our daily bread. Like this, this image of we have to be dependent upon God in everything. Because the reality of it is we are physical beings. Let's not deny this. We're not just spirits stuffed into a shell. You know, like a crab stuffed into its shell or something. We're not like this. We are, being physical is, is intricately involved in who we are. We're spirits, but yes, we're, we're physical too. Uh, if someday when Jesus comes back and, and those who have, who have died in Christ and are raised, those of us who are left, we get new bodies. Like, and we'll have a physical body for all eternity. We, it's, 
being a physical and spiritual being is intricately entwined in who we are. So let's not deny that we need physical things. So it's not wrong to pray for physical needs. So this begs the question, what do we pray for? If we pray for daily bread, you know, Martin Luther listed all those things. What do we pray for? Well, we should pray for little things. There really isn't a wrong prayer as long as you're expressing your deep desires. Food, health, jobs, friends, it's all good to pray for. But it doesn't just stop there. When you need God to show up, that's a good thing. Sometimes we ask, I don't know, let's pray. I don't know what to pray for. I don't know what to ask for. There's a myriad of things that we can ask God for, and he cares. If he cares about something little like daily bread, he cares about little things, and it's okay. But we should also pray for big things. Anything that we need to accomplish kingdom work. We need to think about the kingdom here. What do I need to do to do kingdom work? What do I need, Lord, today? What do we need? What do we need? Physical things do we need to accomplish kingdom work? What daily bread do we need? What do we need tomorrow? This day, our daily bread. What are the basic substantive things that we need to do kingdom work? For me, uh, it, it was my mom. Like, you know, um, I remember when my mom had cancer three years ago. And I thought, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I, we got Livy on the way, and my dad's health is going down. And, and I'm, we're trying really hard as a church to lead this ship to a place where we can do kingdom work together. And God, the, the thing I need right now is I need my mom. And so I can pray out, God, would you please... Heal my mom's kidney cancer. And praise God, that cancer was all contained in a kidney that they could take out. And my mom's made this awesome recovery. And that's what I needed at that moment. So I can pray for little things and big things and say, God, this is what I need. And he knows. And he knows. Give us today our daily bread. And that leads us to the next word, bread. This is such an interesting word. So I already talked about manna and how this conjures up the physical daily needs that we have. But this word bread has more in this context than just physical things. Because Jesus says, I am the bread of life. So what we really need each and every day is Jesus. And let us not miss this. You think you can function tomorrow if you have a full belly and a few things to do. If you have a roof over you, you think you can function tomorrow. But to really live, you need Jesus and you need him every day. When Jesus came to us, God incarnate in human flesh, God entered into this world and said, you can't do this on your own and you need me and I'll do it for you. And that's the gospel. That we come to him as sinners and understand that nothing we can ever do could possibly, even our best thing could never possibly measure up to God and who he is. And we say, I am incapable, God, of pleasing you. And so we need Jesus. So he's our spiritual bread. Kingdom work means Meeting spiritual needs, too. It's an interesting thing about Jesus. Uh, this is a really unique observation that I read in one of my commentaries as I was preparing today. 
Jesus wasn't afraid to eat about anything. I mean, he would sit down with wealthy people and he was probably served extravagant meals and he would eat that. Whatever in that Jewish context, whatever meal that he was set down, he would eat. But when Jesus got to choose, if you read the Gospels, it's really interesting what he chose. He chose fish and bread. Just basic, ordinary stuff. He said yes to the Father. Because Jesus realized that while he was a physical being, there was more going on than just physical things. He realized the Father was the source of life. It's interesting in the wilderness when Jesus was being tested and he went out and Satan tested him and Satan, after Jesus hadn't eaten for 40 days, remember this? He hadn't eaten for 40 days. I'm hungry just thinking about it. And so, uh, man, let's go eat lunch. No, I, it, 40 days. So he's really hungry and, and, and he says, Satan says to him, you know, hey, there's some stones. You can do it. Turn the stones to bread. And Jesus says this, what? Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's talking about this. Do you hunger for this? Give us today our daily bread. If we acknowledge that Jesus is the bread of life, that God has our true needs Why do we not immerse ourselves in the feast that is laid out before us? I mean, we have trouble praying for four minutes, right? I mean, 4, 4, 40, this has been a challenge for me included, right? It's like four o'clock is never convenient. (laughs) It's just something's always going on, right? And and it's like, oh, find informant. But it's the same thing with the Word of God. It's so hard. It's this feast that's laid out before us where God's word bring us, bring us life. Give us today our daily bread. We cannot pray that unless we're saying, I am willing to feast on the word. Get in it. Start reading it. Bread. Give us this day our daily bread. There's so much going on there. When we pray, give us our day, this day our daily bread, we are praying that we would be steadfast, dependent upon God. I want to wrap up today by asking this question, how do we do this in our culture? Because see, prayer changes our hearts. You can't say, Lord, give us today our daily bread when you have absolutely no need of him to do so. And so how do we put ourselves in a position where we need God? How do we live steadfastly dependent when we live in a culture of excess? I mean, do we sell everything we have? Maybe Jesus told one guy to do it. I wouldn't say no to that if someone asked me if they should do that. I mean, how do we do this? How do we, I mean, do we say no to promotions and just try to have a really meager job? I mean, what do we do? How do we live steadfastly dependent upon God so we have to say Give us this day our daily bread. Proverbs chapter 30 is very interesting and telling here. I I taped this verse all over my house because I've been so taken by this verse. Proverbs chapter 30. The, The writer of Proverbs says this. It's a prayer really. He says, keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. There's that word in Hebrew used. 
Otherwise, I might have too much and disown you and say, who is the Lord? I don't need him. Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of my God. I love it. And this is a great picture. This is saying, God, help me to be steadfast dependent on you. Don't give me too much so that I don't need you. Don't give me too little so I steal and dishonor you. You know, we have to put ourselves in a position to do this, to live this. No, no matter how much money you've been given or not given, so much, how much God has entrusted to you to steward, you have to live in the middle and figure out how to do that. In Proverbs, like this, without too much, so we say, God, I, I, I don't need you. And not too little, so we dishonor him. You know, as a church, we're wrestling with this question as well. Um, we've made a decision to do these next five steps together. And so the first thing we're doing is stopping. The second thing we're doing is walking. Remember the second step we're gonna, in January, we're going to begin to walk this path as disciples together and, 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 and hire another staff member to help us, help our children walk this path together. And then, and then the third step is, as we move on there, from there is strategic partnerships where we're going to pour into our community and partner with other organizations that are like-minded in doing Jesus kind of work, helping and then the fourth step that we're going to do is, is the boomerang step where we're going to walk together and, and go reach people and bring them back. And, and then the fifth step is say, God, would you give us some kind of facility with, whom we, with which as a tool, a tool to reach our community. So as we've looked at these next steps our, at our last elder meeting, our elders said, we've got a pool of money in reserve. And we believe to look ahead to step five, that our elders said the thing we need to do is, uh, is take a big chunk of that money and say this is no longer money that we're going to run with in the budget. That this money is set aside and it's going to go towards a down payment. We're going to take $125,000 and set it aside there and say uh, we can no longer use that for our daily operating expenses. And our elders are so excited about this, and I'm excited about it. It's, uh, and so we're going to uh, run our checking account down to a place where we've got about two months reserve in the checking account. And so I, I started to think through this, and I think this is really exciting. Because too long we've said, oh, we don't really need God to show up because we've got this pile of money in the bank, and if we don't take an offering for a while, we can survive, and we don't need God to show up. At the same time, I realized that my paycheck's on the line. And so, uh, so our elders kind of looked at me and then they saw this look on my face like, do I want to really trust God this much? And, and so they were laughing and, I was, and they said, Dave, Dave, don't worry. It's going to be okay, Dave. You'll get a paycheck. Don't, we promise. Trust God in this. And I said, oh, I'm not worried at all. It, it, I said, it's Pastor Jeff that should be worried. <laughs> We're taking a step together. We're taking a step together and we're saying, okay, God. Now, right now, currently, our giving doesn't match our expenses. You know, we've been for the last two or three months quite a bit behind. You can see the numbers are in every weekly email. If you like numbers, you can look at there. Every week we've been behind. And so there's a point where we're saying we can't just together float 
this thing with no sacrifice. Like, we have to do this together. We, we just put ourselves in a place where we have to be steadfast, dependent upon God. And this is awesome. I mean, it's amazing that we get to be to this place together. So how do we live steadfast, dependently on God? As corporately, that's one way we're taking a step to do this. Individually, how, how do I live steadfastly dependent on God? How do you do that? Well, one way is, is in, with, our fin- with your finances. Would you put yourself in a place where you need God? It, it's really interesting. We don't talk a lot about giving at Waukee Community Church. We don't do a lot of guilt tripping and try to give you to part with your money more. Um, but here's what I, I would say. For, for my blessing, for your blessing, give first. Trust God that the rest of the month, he'll meet your needs. This is not so Waukee Community Church has more money. Although together we have to all make sacrifices to make this thing work. But this is for you and your benefit. So you're in a position to live steadfastly dependent on God. I, I mean, I tell people all the time, uh, when I was in seminary, I was making nothing. And Clarissa had this baby at home and... I, God, I don't know how we're going to give and how we're going to make it, but I'm determined to give faithfully to my church. And, uh, and so I didn't just pull out 10%. I pulled out a number and we gave first. And then we lived on the rest. And I did not know how we were going to pay for seminary and pay for a child. And Clarissa wasn't working, so I was going to school full time and working almost full time and trying to make this all work. And yet every month we made it. And when I went from seminary to Indianola for my first job, I had $100 to my name. And I said, I have no idea how we're going to put a down payment on an apartment. Like, I just had no earthly idea how we were going to do this. And, uh, but I said, we're going. So, so we, we went there, and we were actually living with some people first at the time. And, uh, and I didn't know how we were going to buy gro- I didn't know anything. And I remember when I sat down, uh, the first day I went into the office, there was a check waiting for me on my desk. And the, and the treasurer said, oh yeah, I got tired of post-paying everyone, so I, we just prepay everyone every two weeks now. And so uh, <laughs> it's like, thank you, God. He just provided enough for me to get through the next two weeks. When we give to God first, we put ourselves in a position to need him daily. When we give to him first, it's not about the church and it's not about us, oh, we're going to fall apart if we don't have this. And No, it's about you. Do you want to live steadfast, dependently on God? In a culture like ours where we get up and we don't worry about next day what we're going to eat, if we don't do this, we don't need God. I am amazed at my father. You know, I just, ah, sorry. He, uh, you know, I just buried him a couple weeks ago now, and um, the longer I go without him, the more I realize the things about him that I appreciate. Uh, and I'll never forget, I said, mentioned this at the funeral, that when dad's dementia got too bad, I started taking over his books. And that's a big deal for a kid to take over his father, who was a CPA, doing his books. And so the, for the first time, I got a glimpse of how he was spending his money. I couldn't believe how much money he gave away. I was like, Mom, you can't do this. You can't give away this much money to people. You can't give this to the, you got to cut back. And my mom was like, 
she just was quiet, you know, she just listened. And, and it just took God about 10 minutes to, in my heart, go, Dave, what are you doing? Stop it. Dad set up a system where he was steadfastly dependent upon God. Don't mess it up. We have to put ourselves in a place where we choose to be steadfastly dependent upon him. And then the last way that we cultivate this is just by feeding deeply. Feeding deeply on this. You want to be dependent upon God? Devour his word. Love it. He will create this in you and your life will never be the same. If you want to pray a prayer that will change your life, pray the words of Jesus. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. So we want to worship in response to this. Our worship team is going to come right now. And we're going to sing a song. And the lyrics to this song are, All of you is more than enough. For all, we are doing that song, aren't we? Okay. (laughs) All of you is more than enough for all of me. And so as I close this in prayer, I'm going to ask you to sing with all your heart and make it a prayer. God, today we come to you saying we need to be steadfastly dependent upon you. God, as a church, we can't just float upon our reserves any longer. We're to the place where we're saying we want to invest this money And we want to see you do great things. But God, as individuals, Lord, the temptation is to to put our lives so we never have to say, give us this day our daily bread. And we confess together that we don't want to live that way. We want to live dependent upon you. Make this our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.